Today's episode of the WAC Podcast is brought to you by Hercules Tires, the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference. Now here are your hosts, Eric Danner and Rachel Vigil. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Eric Danner, Rachel Vigil coming to you from our home studios. We hope you're all doing well. Eric, another weekend in the book with lots of basketball games. It was somewhat similar, Rachel, to week number one in that we had some cancellations. We had some games go on as scheduled. We had some new games pop up. And I think that's going to be the case going on here uh, probably for the next month or two. I mean, hopefully things will get back to normal before too long. But uh, we did have a lot of basketball played and some uh, almost upsets, uh, some some history being made, and uh, and also some somewhat bad news also uh, regarding New Mexico State. Yeah, let's talk about the Aggies real quick. They had to pause their team activities due to a positive COVID test within the team. They were scheduled to play at Santa Clara and at Cal Poly, and both had to be canceled. And then right now they're supposed to play on December 12th against Arizona, obviously awaiting results from another test. Yeah, and it's such a tough situation with New Mexico State. Obviously, they had to move out of state. Their home base has been in Phoenix for the past few weeks, and they're trying to do everything they possibly can to be safe, but uh, with this virus, it's just so tough to be safe all the time, and you never know how you you know you get it. In uh, some occasions, obviously, you wear a mask, you social distance, those kind of things. But see, people who do that sometimes still get the virus. So unfortunately, yeah, they did have to cancel those two games. They did get one game in uh, before that trip, so they are two and zero, and they did win their twenty first game in a row, Rachel, and that's a school record, a school record that dates all the way back to 1937-38. So that's uh, quite an accomplishment for New Mexico State. Hopefully whenever they play the next game, I mean, if it's against Arizona and they get their 22nd straight win, that would be some kind of story, especially given the circumstances that New Mexico State is in right now. But uh, I did my whack in the day this past week on that 1937-38 team. Very interesting team to look at, Rach. And uh, Jerry Hines was the head coach. He had to leave the team uh, in 1940 because he was in the national or his uh, guard unit got called up, had to go fight World War II, uh, came back and coached one more year after that. He's in the Aggie Hall of Fame. And the leading scorer on that team was a guy named Pecos Finley. And Pecos uh, actually led the team in scoring two years. He also went into the service, served in the Pacific, was captured by the Japanese, had to do the Bataan Death March, which... If you look that up, what a horrible uh, situation to have to go through, and then later died in uh, captivity. And, and it is very well thought. I mean, this was 1942 uh, for Pecos Finley, but uh, there's uh, monuments, there's, there's things around the country uh, for him. He's one of the most uh, well-regarded alumni at uh, New Mexico State. So it's one of those things uh, you get a chance to kind of look back at, at some history there and, and just uh, what the current New Mexico State team is matching up against a, a great team from the 1930s. Holy smokes, Eric. Okay, you obviously do whack in the day almost <laughs> every single week. So the fact that you're still able to find new stories, where do you go to look for these? Uh, you know, I saw that particular story on Twitter. You know, I got, I got, my interest was piqued uh, by the 1937-38 team and, and they had a picture of the team, which uh, having uh, done a lot of research on historical athletics uh, in my previous job, put together a lot of record books uh, all the way back to 1909. I know it's hard to find team pictures from that that era. And then uh, doing a little 
you know, Google searching and that type of thing. You find different articles about different people. And what an amazing story it was to find about Jerry Hines and about uh, Pecos Finley. Yeah, absolutely. That's job well done, Eric. We'll give you some claps <laughs> there because job well done on finding Thanks, those Rachel. stories. Uh, another story throughout the Aggies, though, is that Garjabari Rice was expected to miss six to eight weeks with a foot injury. Uh, we had talked to uh, Johnny McCants last week on our Instagram Live, and he kind of talked about that next man up mentality, and I know we're going to share that later on this week, too. Yeah, very unfortunate for Jabari, the preseason player of the year, and was really set to have a great season. And six to eight weeks with a foot, hard to say, you know, when, when you come back, obviously, New Mexico State went through an injury with A.J. Harris last year, and he was not able to come back during the regular season. Hopefully Jabari can get that foot right and, and be back to playing at the level we're used to seeing Jabari Rice at. That's the other thing when you have an injury that keeps you out for a long period of time is, you know, when you do come back, it does take a little while to get back in the swing of things. But remember, Traveling Queen did get injured last year too, and he came back, and I don't think anybody would have ever known that he missed any amount of time. So hopefully that'll be the case with Jabari when he comes back. I still remember seeing the tweet and watching him go into the game. And I was like, I thought he was supposed to be out for another four weeks. And yeah, he came back very early. So they must have some extra good doctors over there in the Aggies program. Yeah, hopefully uh, they do. And yeah, Trav, I remember uh, he, he was uh, as athletic as he ever was after the injury. And that's another thing you don't always see because sometimes if it's a foot or a knee, you know, you kind of favor it and you, you maybe don't have the bounce or the acceleration that you once did, but the traveling queen did not have any ill effects last year. Nope. And let's look at now at the men's basketball player of the week. And that goes to forward Jacob Nichols from Dixie State. He averaged 15.5 points per game and he tied his career high against North Dakota with 17 points. Yeah. Congratulations to Dixie State. They had to wait a week to get their first games in. They beat North Dakota in their Division I opener, and that was a very exciting game, Rachel. That was 74 to 73. Uh, Dixie State was up by 12 with two minutes and 45 seconds to go. So it was almost like, hey, they've, they've got this thing wrapped up. And then the, the Fighting Hawks came back and, and almost uh, pulled it out. But Dixie State went 74 to 73. And then Saturday they played St. Catherine, and that was a, a little bit more of a blowout. They went by 38, fifth largest margin of victory in their uh, NCAA era. They were a, a junior college up until about uh, 2004. Then they went to Division II, and obviously this is their first year in Division I, but a 38-point victory over anybody in their second game. Uh, that's uh, quite an accomplishment for Dixie State now, 2-0. So congratulations to Jacob Nichols, our WAC Player of the Week, brought to you by Ticket Smarter. Yes, and then Trailblazers Group will take on Denver on Saturday. Another team that's undefeated right now is Grand Canyon, 3-0, and and they beat Mississippi Valley State 88-49, to Eric. They did, and they are, are looking pretty good, Rach. And as Bjorn Midgard, who we talked a little bit about last week, had another big game. He was perfect from the field. I believe it was 8-for-8 eight eight from the floor, or 7-for-7 seven seven from the floor. Uh, had uh, 12 rebounds. He is, uh, again, a force to be reckoned with, and so is Grand Canyon. And on uh, Wednesday's WAC podcast, we're going to have a very special guest, our head coach, Bryce Drew, uh, for GCU. So look forward to talking to him in his first year. Obviously, he had a great career as a college player, was an NBA first-round pick. His, his dad's a legendary coach. His brother, uh, the coach at Baylor, the number two-ranked team 
in the country. So it should be a very interesting conversation with Bryce Drew coming up later this week. I can't wait to have him on. I obviously talked to him at basketball preview day, but obviously podcast, you can get a little bit uh, more laid back, I guess I should say. So I'm excited to kind of hear some of the stories he has to share. But as for the Lopes, they had a game versus Prairie View that was canceled, but they have two huge games coming up this week. So Friday at home, they're playing against Nevada. And then on Sunday, they take on Arizona State, who's number 23 in the AP polls this week. And this is their first time playing Arizona State. Of course, coached by Bobby Hurley in the same city. So it's uh, that that's one that we, again, wish all the Havocs could be there for. They do have some uh, people in the crowd, and uh, they have the great cutouts in the crowd, the best I've seen in college basketball. But I think uh, that would be definitely one that would be a hot ticket if uh, GCU and Arizona State, uh, if they were able to play to a capacity crowd there. Yes, yeah, so I, I look forward to watching that game for sure, but I definitely wish I could be in the stands for it. Looking ahead now, Utah Valley 2-1. and one. They beat Westminster of Salt Lake City 79-71. to 71. We saw a highlight reel dunk by guard Jameis Overton. Yeah, Jam- Jameson Overton is, is a highlight machine early in the area at the 360 dunk that was a sports center top play. This one, uh, he double pumped it and it was, he, he's, he's an amazing dunker. We saw one last year. He had a whack top play nominee uh, against New Mexico State, where he was on the floor, gets up, grabs the ball, and dunks it over Treveling Queen. Uh, we've seen two dunks already this year by Jamison Overton that really shows he's one of the best athletes in the WAC, one of the best dunkers, and he's also a heck of a basketball player. He's having a, a great start to this season. Yes, he is. And uh, Fardas Amak, I want to make sure I'm pronouncing that right. He pulled down 18 rebounds in the victory too, Eric. It's like that whole team is a highlight reel. They are. Uh, Fardas Amak, I believe is, oh, is how he's, he, he pronounces it. 18 rebounds. And that's the second time already this year he's had an 18 rebound game. So that's the most by any player in the WAC so far this year. He's averaging 14.3 uh, rebounds per game. And uh, I don't know what the situation is with Evan Cole. I have not seen him play yet, uh, Rach, or at least not play this mm-hmm. week. So I don't know if that's an injury situation, if it's something to do with his transfer. Uh, but uh, definitely AMAC has uh, stepped right in as a rebounder. Evan Cole, of course, the Georgia Tech transfer, the big guy that you talked to on the WAC basketball preview, and we anticipated he would have a big impact. Uh, but uh, at least so far early on, I have not seen him play yet. I've not seen him, but yes, the rest of the team – uh, just a highlight reel all over. So those games have been a lot of fun to watch. And UVU will host Southern Utah on Wednesday, and then they will also take on Wyoming on Saturday. Now, UTRGV, Eric, they lost to Texas A&M on Sunday, 81-68. to Guard Quinton Johnson scored 21 points, which was a career high for him. Why couldn't the Vaqueros get it done against Texas A&M? You know, the, Texas A&M's a really good team, and we saw them play two whack teams this week. In fact, we'll talk about the game against Tarleton here in just a minute, but the Vaqueros looking much better than they did in that opener against Texas. Uh, we've seen them. They beat UTSA. That was probably the best game they played so far this year. Then they beat both uh, Our Lady of the Lake and Texas A&M Corpus Christi. So getting, uh, the, I think they're getting the the, uh, the kinks out a little bit, and and they still don't have everybody that they're hoping to have uh, as they will later in the year. So uh, I think UTRGV, uh, right where they need to be. I mean, obviously that would have been a nice feather in the cap to win in College Station. Played a decent game there. And I think this will be a team, uh, as as the season goes along, they seem to be 
a team that will get better and better. And they already took on Texas A&M Corpus Christi, Corpus Christi, but they will play them again on Thursday. Now, Eric, you mentioned Tarleton. They are one and two and they lost to Texas A&M 73 to 66, but don't let the score line like make you think any <laughs> other. It was a really, really close game. With 13-20 left, they took a 10-point lead, so a double-digit lead, and and they were uh, really, they were not intimidated at all by Texas A&M, and I imagine that has a lot to do with their head coach, Billy Gillespie, and that he's coached in all these places, and he's coached at Texas A&M. In fact, the Aggies uh, head coach right now was a former assistant for Billy Gillespie, Buzz Williams, but uh, yeah, they were up by 10. They were shooting lights out. I mean, they uh, they had a heat check there with Montre Gibson, and he uh, he really played a great game, 23 points against Texas A&M, but they were not able to, to hold them off, losing 73-66. to 66. And I wonder if there was a little bit of a hangover in that game, Rachel, because then they wind up losing to Abilene Christian in their next game. But uh, Tarleton, just from what we've seen early on, uh, they, they, are, they have the talent to compete with uh, probably any team in the whack. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, watching the first like 10 minutes of that Tarleton A&M game, you just saw that they were so motivated. They all believed in each other. They were going out there and they were going to give it their best shot. Man, did they make it a fun game to watch. And let's hope that continues because on Tuesday, they were going to take on Gonzaga. That game was canceled due to a COVID outbreak on the Bulldogs. But then they also are going to take on uh, Sunday, they're going to take on Kansas. Like, so many big games right there that I just got, like, so excited to talk about. Yeah, you, you figure that, I mean, when we saw the schedule, we were just like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe they're going Gonzaga and Kansas back-to-back. But not having to play Gonzaga, I mean, obviously you want to be tested against the number one team in the country, but not having to go there and maybe being able to focus a little bit more on Kansas than rather Gonzaga and Kansas mm-hmm. maybe gives Tarleton a little better chance in that game, uh, Gonzaga was going to play number two ranked Baylor uh, this past weekend. That game was canceled because of that positive COVID test at Gonzaga. But uh, yeah, Billy Gillespie uh, made a very interesting schedule uh, to start off with here. But seeing how they played against Texas A&M and they were right there with them, could have won that game. Uh, Kansas obviously is uh, ranked higher than Texas A&M is. But uh, again, another great test for Tarleton against the Jayhawks. And Seattle U has gone three and three. So they started the season undefeated three and oh, they have now lost three in a row. So they played at UCLA and they lost 78 to 52. And then at Long Beach state, 80 to 75 uh, close games there against Long Beach state, Eric, what, what do you think is going on in the Red Hawks program? Well, I mean, they start off great, uh, but they've, they've been on the road. Uh, the you know they played in Las Vegas. Uh, they they wound up losing to CSUN in the in the final game of that. So they go uh, two and one uh, to in Vegas. Then they go to UCLA. No shame there in losing in uh, Poly Pavilion in Westwood to the Bruins. Uh, of course, one of the great uh, teams in the history of college basketball. And then Long Beach State five point game. So I think uh, Jim Hayford. I, I I would think he'd want to have four or five wins right now. But I think three and three at this point. I think uh, Seattle U is a team that's, that's it's a good team, and, and especially early in the year, trying to figure out different combinations, who's your go-to guy, those kind of things. I think they're figuring things out, and, and they're, they're in good shape at 3-3. Three and three. 
and then they'll return back home and they're going to take on crosstown rival washington on wednesday looking forward to that game and then they will also host northwest university of washington on sunday another good game to look forward to lots going on with basketball obviously and california baptist another team that we thought was going to be really hot they go one and two right now they lost to southeast louisiana 81 to 80 eric that game being so close and then they went on to beat the lions 83 to 66 with that being game being so close how do you think that mentality rolled into them beating the lions well that was such a tough loss for cbu they led 31 of 40 minutes in that particular game and, and were really in control it felt like most of the game and then to lose at the last second to uh, southeast louisiana that's that's really a heartbreaker but then getting a chance to play them a couple days later. Uh, they, they really uh, took it to Southeast Louisiana in that game, winning 83-66. Uh, Trey Armstrong had a career-high 27 points. So we've seen several different guys step up for CBU. And again, early in the year, that's what you're looking for. You're looking to see who's going to be your go-to guys, what kind of combinations work or don't work. And, and the fact that CBU's found two, three, four different guys that can be their go-to guy, very good news. Even though they're one and two, remember they lost to USC in overtime. They lose another game by one point on a last second shot. So I think that they're one of the better one and two teams I've seen now, Rachel. I'll agree with you there, Eric. And Eric Croy, the head coach of the Lancers, got his 300th career win. So congratulations to him. And they will play against UC Davis and Alcorn State. Or just kidding, those games have been canceled. Excuse me. Uh, and their next game will be at Arizona, another big matchup there on December 16th. Yeah, the Wildcats playing a lot of whack teams apparently yeah. this year, which doesn't always happen. And and because of COVID and because of scheduling, it, it allows uh, perhaps some of our teams to get some of these uh, big-time matchups. And I don't think Arizona seeks out New Mexico State very often. And uh, California Baptist, they were one and two in our league last year. And those are always kind of dangerous for those Power 5 schools when they play teams that were, you know, towards the top of your league in a mid-major like, like the WAC. So, it, uh, it'll be interesting to see how CBU matches up. And then, again, as, as we, we kind of have to have this asterisk when we're doing the show, Rach, that there could be a game added between now and then uh, later this week. Yeah, definitely could, yeah. feel like everything is kind of TBD, just to make sure, but you never know. Chicago State, Eric, going 0-5, not having their head coach coach this season due to COVID concerns. They lost to Eastern Illinois and Northwestern. However, they are at Loyola Chicago on Wednesday. Sister Jean, I feel like ever since the NCAA tournament, gosh, I don't even know how many years ago, probably like four or five now, yeah. when Sister Jean just blew up, that's all I can think about when I think of Loyola Chicago. And, and for Chicago State, this, this opening schedule and, and being able to play so many in-state teams, again, maybe they wouldn't have a chance to play Loyola Chicago, DePaul, you know, Northwestern, that we've seen their men's and women's teams a play the past few weeks. So it's been a really good chance to really uh, renew some rivalries in the city of Chicago. And I think the Cougars, uh, they're improved from last year, even mm -hmm. though that 0-5 record doesn't say it. A Lavelle Ziegler did come off the bench at Northwestern to score 18 points. So this is something, you know, that we've seen with their men's and women's programs in particular, that there's hasn't necessarily been a lot of depth. And when you see somebody off, come off the bench to score 18, I think that's good news in the long run for the Cougars. I agree. And of course, we are wishing Lance Irvin health, safety, everything else too, without him being out there with the Cougars. And yeah, of course, also just wishing them luck going in. But we're going to take a quick break here on the WAC podcast. When we come back, we're going to be talking some women's suits.
we would like to thank our sponsors of the WAC podcast, Hercules Tires and Adidas. Now, back to Eric and Rachel. Welcome back to the WAC podcast. Eric Danner, Rachel Heal coming at you, talking some women's hoops now. We got our women's basketball player of the week forward. Brittany Thomas takes home the weekly award, averaging a double-double after taking on San Diego State and UC Riverside. Yeah, Brittany Thomas, we weren't sure if she was going to be back this year. She obviously had the season-ending injury last year, and she has come back and hasn't missed a beat. She averaged 18.5 points, 10.5 rebounds, shot almost 74% from the floor. And that CBU win over San Diego State, Rachel, I mean, we were talking last week that CBU looked like they might be the team to beat in women's basketball in the WAC this year. And based on their two games this, this past week, I don't think they've done anything to change that. And, oh, and they're 4-0 undefeated right now um, against the Aztecs. Guard Annie Oleta had 25-2. So huge numbers here for some of their players on this Lancers team. And they uh, they figured to improve. Uh, perhaps they host William Jessup a uh, Tuesday morning game this week, and then they play at UC Santa Barbara on Friday. So they they have a chance. I mean, I don't want to look ahead here, but four and zero right now. They they could run that record to six and zero by the end of the week. We'll look forward to seeing that. Another undefeated team on the women's side is Grand Canyon. They are sitting at three and zero. They beat Benedictine Mesa eighty to seventy two. Loyola Marymount seventy six to fifty four. Let's talk real quick about this. So freshman Katie Scott scored 29 points against the Lions. She only had three in the first half, Eric. She absolutely went off in the second half. And the impressive thing about Katie, and we talked to her, you talked to her at the WAC Basketball Preview. Uh, that was the only freshman that uh, was presented to us uh, during the preview. So you kind of uh, stand up and take notice because here's a freshman. Okay, they're expecting big things from her. She was the Missouri State player of the year as, as a high school senior, had originally signed to play at Drury with Coach Miller, goes to GCU, sight unseen. Uh, first week didn't uh, score the way she probably had hoped, but this week really had a coming out party and all the different facets of her game, Rachel. She can shoot the three, she can post up, she plays good defense and uh, looks like uh, not only one of the best freshmen in the WAC, but maybe uh, one of the best freshmen in the country. I could not agree more with you there, Eric. It's so much fun to watch that Lopes team go out and play and the style of play too. And like you said, you know, she's taken three pointers too. So she's kind of all over. And I feel like that's um, kind of where all the Lopes players are, right? Like they're taking shots anywhere. There's no set position there at all. And I'll look forward to seeing them take on Northern Arizona on Wednesday and then Southern Utah again on Saturday. So William Jessup will then be taking on another undefeated team here in the WAC. That's Utah Valley. They sit at 1-0 and on the season. They were on pause. They had games at Idaho State on Wednesday, UNLV on Saturday. They were both canceled, as well as December's 12th game against Montana State. However, now, like I mentioned, William Jessup will be taking on the Wolverines on Thursday, Eric. Yeah, again, it's, uh, you know, we are trying to get games in where we can get games in and, and try to stay, you know, as healthy as possible and follow the rules and, and you don't want to see, you know, a, a team take a risk if, if they don't have to. But Utah Valley getting the go-ahead from their medical staff to get a game in this week. And uh, William Jessup was able to get to Orem for that game after they traveled to Riverside. So good uh, for Dan Nielsen because with only one game in so far, that, you know, puts them at somewhat of a disadvantage against teams. Uh, like we said, CBU could have six games in by the end of the week. Yeah, 
And that's just one of those things I feel like you're having to roll with with COVID. And then hopefully once you get into conference play, we'll see a little bit more of a regular schedule with those Friday and Saturday games rolling out. Uh, Tarleton sits at two and two on the season. They defeated Bacone on Wednesday, 80 to 39, Eric. What a scoreline there. Yeah, with Tarleton so far with their women's team at two and two, the, the two wins they've had have been big wins uh, against uh, non-NCAA Division I teams. And then uh, they did lose to Lamar at Lamar uh, in that uh, second game this past week, uh, 73 to 58. So hard to say exactly. Um, how they'll they'll look in the whack. Um, I, I think having two wins under the belt that's good news for the Texans. But uh, we'll, we'll have to see. Um, you know, like their men's team, you know, had that uh, moral victory, I guess, against Texas A&M and, and played really well. So we'll have to see how uh, how Tarleton, uh, as as their schedule unfolds, how they uh, play the you know leading up to the uh, whack season, which will be starting uh, the first week in January. Yeah, so they will take on Oral Roberts on Thursday, and then they will host Champion Christian on Saturday. Now looking at UTRGV, another Texas school who also sits at 2-2 two two on the season. They beat UTSA 60-50. They won against Texas A&M Corpus Christi 58-51, and then lost at Texas Southern 85-64, and they'll take on Texas A&M Corpus Christi again on Tuesday, Eric. Yeah, we had Brian Smith on our show last week. The uh analyst for UTRGV and he was talking about that great game that Amara Graham had against UTSA where she scored 26 points. Now what's interesting about this past week anyway Rachel is that Amara Graham one of the best three-point shooters in the WAC the last couple of years was only two of 14 from three-point land this past week so she's scoring but not from behind the three-point arc like she has in years past so that that could be something to watch as we move forward here in uh, in the season uh, and uh UTRGV, they'll be playing uh, not this week, but the following week at the South Padre Island Classic. So they'll get some games in against uh, several D1 opponents there uh, before they hit the Christmas break. Yeah, that was one thing I had talked to Amara Graham about at preview day was how she improved her three-point percentage because her freshman year wasn't shooting too hot. And then obviously throughout years past, like you mentioned, she really stepped it up. So it's interesting to see that she only went two from 14 on the week. Um, but I have a feeling that she's going to figure out that rhythm and get back to shooting a pretty decent percentage there. And the Vaqueros will play Texas A&M Corpus Christi this week as their men are playing, and they have that that class, or that uh, competition between the two schools that uh, they're not that far apart, only a couple hours apart. So it makes sense for them to play each other home at home, even though it's only a week apart. But uh, good to get, the, again, get as many games in as you can. Yes. New Mexico State is one and two on the season, and they lost an OT at UTEP again, 81 to 73. The Aggies led by 10 in the third quarter, but again fell in OT. A heartbreaker for New Mexico State because it looked like, you know, much like that Southeast Louisiana California Baptist uh, men's game where Southeast Louisiana wins the first one and then CBU turns around and dominates the second game. Kind of the same case here, except that UTEP was able to come back. Both games went to overtime. The first game that they played went to overtime. Second game they went, played went to overtime. So very unfortunate that New Mexico State loses that one. But Aaliyah Prince scored 25 points. And we talked about New Mexico State women's basketball with Adam Young, their play-by-play guy, who was going to be that person that could step up 
in the place of Gia Pack, in the place of Brooks Salas, in that great, you know, list of great players they've had over the years. And Aaliyah Prince was one of the players we had talked about, and she scores 25 this week, so she could be filling that role. Yeah, and they'll take on Cal Poly on Thursday, and they're at Pepperdine on Saturday. Seattle U, Eric, is 1-3 on the season, and they lost or had a big 75-72 win over Utah State in OT. Maddie Phillips hit a big three to tie that game late and forced the OT. And that's one of our nominees for WAC Top Play this week. And they uh, had a great comeback to tie that game up and then win it in overtime against Utah State, a team from the Mountain West. So very big win for the Red Hawks. And you look at the three losses. Well, they've lost to Portland twice, mm-hmm. home and there. And then they lost to Oregon, you know, ranked number 10 in the country. So I think Susie Barcombe uh, should be pretty happy with, with what she's seen so far. Obviously, you'd, you'd want to be a better than one and three. But, you know, Oregon, that, that's a tough, uh, tough call there. And Portland looks to be a very good team as well. So Seattle U, they will be hosting Northwest University also this week. We mentioned their men's team is also going to host that same school. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how Seattle U, how their team unfolds. But uh, we have seen some uh, some good signs, I think, early in the year. Mm-hmm. One team, Eric, that still has not played a single game this year has been Dixie. I've been ready to see that team hit the court. Unfortunately, it just hasn't worked out for them quite yet. Their game against BYU was canceled, and then their opener against St. Catherine on Wednesday has now been canceled. A Saturday opener against Park University. Hopeful I got my fingers crossed yeah. for the Trailblazers. Yeah, you just feel for the team. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, from what I understand, the game uh, Wednesday – uh, again, a COVID concern, no, nothing to do with the school. Uh, just happens to be the, the teams that they've been been playing. And uh, you, you just uh, try to get the games in where you can, when you can. So we are also anxious to see how Dixie State uh, opens up their Division One era. And hopefully that'll be this Saturday. And again, you know, it, that's if they don't get another team to, to potentially come in uh, before that. It's true. There's Lots of conversations going on with coaches all over the country. So hopefully they will. If not, we'll look forward to Saturday's opener. Chicago State is 0-2 so far this season, and they had some games canceled also this week, Eric. Yeah, against uh, Illinois, Chicago, and then Oakland University and Michigan. Both those games were canceled. Indiana State, uh, who they're hoping to host, that game has already been canceled as well. So kind of in a holding pattern to see when Chicago State will play again. Uh, the good news is when they uh, played DePaul, Nadia Thorman-McKee uh, had another really good game in just two games. She's averaging 18 and a half points per game. So I think head coach Tiffany Sarden, again, is figuring out her lineup and uh, apparently has a go-to player in Nadia Thorman-McKee, at least early on here. And that's good news as we get into conference play. Yes, we'll look forward to seeing all of the teams that we've talked about once conference play gets started here in a couple of weeks. But Eric, I feel like every single time we talk, we're like, all right, games could be added, games could be canceled, we'll see. But I still feel like we're seeing quality basketball for all of the games that we're seeing. It's fun to watch. And it's been fun to watch uh, some of the, the new teams. Uh, as we mentioned, it's been fun to watch some games on, you know, the Southeast Network, Southeast Conference Network and Pac-12 Network as, of course, the WAC Digital Network, which has the uh, lion's share of all these games. And it's, it's been nice to watch sports and nice to see achievements you know, nice to see Dixie State winning, and it's, it's you know, unfortunately for New Mexico State, uh, they're not playing right now, but it was fun to watch them play the one game mm-hmm. we've been able to see them play, and uh, I, I look forward to more of the same this week. Like you mentioned, 
as we sit here now, one thing we know for sure, that schedule that we just talked about, <laughs> it's not going to happen exactly the way we just said it. It's not. Keeps you on your toes, keeps you checking your email, keeps you checking Twitter for sure. But uh, we'll look forward to seeing and talking lots more great basketball and having Bryce Drew on the podcast on Wednesday. Before that, we're actually going to have your interview with Johnny McCants uh, from Black All Access last week. Let's take a quick break and then we'll play that interview. Hercules Tires is the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference and for over 65 years has been providing tires with unbeatable quality at an unmatched value. Whatever the vehicle and whatever the terrain, Hercules Tires invites you to ride on our strength. For a retailer near you, visit HerculesTires.com. There he is. Hello, how are you? I'm good in yourself. Good. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. Thank you for having me. I know a lot of people were very excited to see your name pop up, obviously, with New Mexico State not being in New Mexico. What has the journey been like to get to Arizona? Um, it took quite a while. It took us like probably a week or so to figure out where we're going to stay at. And um, going through the whole week with like barely a little bit of practice, it was kind of tough for the whole team. And then being able to come out here to a resort where we have our gym, accessibility like right here our weights and everything it's all close together so I feel like it's just pretty good and it's a good eye-opener for um, us as players and us as a team. What restrictions do you have being out there? Um, basically just back on lockdown um, I mean we can go to the gym whenever we want we can go to the weight room whenever we want but besides leaving the hotel or anything like that having visitors we can't have anything like that. <laughs> Okay, so I, you probably don't know this about me, but I actually went down to Orlando for the MLS bubble, and my biggest complaint was the food. So are they feeding you well out there in Arizona? Yeah, they're feeding us pretty good. Um, we have meal prep all week now. Uh, we get three meals a day, and then we we have to push back dinner because we were eating it too early, so everybody got hungry afterwards. We pushed it back to like seven or eight, but everything's been fine out here with the meals and all that. When you were back in New Mexico, what were practices looking like? Oh, um, it was a lot of five on five stuff still, but there was still some times where we had to go three on three and not everybody in the gym at the same time. Um, it was a lot more conditioning since we couldn't have full practices, we couldn't go full five on five. But I'd say practices now look a lot better. With Jabari out now with an injury, what's the next man up mentality throughout the team? Um, I feel like everybody just has to come together and keep the train rolling. I mean, Jabari's a big asset to the team, and he just fell off on an injury. So I feel like everybody's just going to have to pick up pieces and just continue to do what they do and do it, like, ten times better. I, I have another personal question for you. When you found out about the relocation to Arizona, was there any possibility that you thought about staying back? Um, There was no possibility for me, like, thinking about it at all. I mean, I want to just play basketball. That's just something I love to do. I want to be able to enhance my game and go to the next level or at least something. And if I would have stayed home, I don't think I would be like in good shape or I probably would have just fell off. So I think I chose the right opportunity to come out here. Well, and I know a lot of people are happy to be able to see both you and the entire team out there playing too. So with that also being said, you've obviously played two games now. What's been the biggest adjustment that you've had to make on that end, not being at home, but having to go out and be somewhere else and then go play games? 
Um, I would just say probably just not having fans, um, not being able to have a home game. So that's kind of different for me since I played all three years in my hometown and having all my friends, family, and all the fans there. Uh, yeah. How anxious, though, were you to get back out on the court after not playing for so many months? Um, it was pretty bad. I wanted to be able to get out with a new team and see how everybody would feel against playing against somebody new. And I was just looking forward to the first game day by day, taking every day in, trying to get myself better, trying to get the team more better uh, collectively. And I feel like we did pretty good. A huge matchup on the 12th is against Arizona. When you first saw that name pop up, what was the first thing that went through your head? Vengeance. I mean, last year they got us pretty good. Um, so I hope this year is going to be a total different game. Help everybody just steps up and plays a role and we just come out on top. What's the number one thing you're looking forward to with that matchup? Um, me personally, I'm looking forward to the defensive side. Um, I got to be more sound on defense, being able to be in the right spots and um, guarding some of their best players at the big men or wherever their matchup is at. Johnny, I feel like the entire WAC staff, we always joke that you've been there for so long and that's because you've always been a dominant player every year that you've played at New Mexico State. What's been your favorite game that you've been able to play with the Aggies? Um, I've, it had to be probably one of the big games, like playing against Kansas or playing against Clemson, playing in the playing against Illinois in the United Center. There's so many games that I could probably think of. Basically, like all the games of the whole year, even if I have ups or downs, like being able to be on the court, being blessed with the talent I have, being blessed with the team, like just being able to play with everybody is just special to me. My last question for you is: We always ask athletes. Who are they looking forward to playing most in conference play? And pretty much all of them say New Mexico State because you guys are obviously a dominant force here in the conference. Now, for you, obviously, being a part of the Aggies, who do you look forward to playing most? Um, it's going to be a tough one without GCU having other fans. So it's every year I like look forward to playing GCU because their fans make the game more exciting. But having two new uh, teams come in, I want to see how they're going to fit into the whack, how they're going to play against us. And just basically all the matchups that we could possibly have. Nice. Well, Johnny, thank you so much for like hopping on and taking a few minutes out of your day. I know a lot of games are kind of up in the air right now, but we can't wait to see you guys back out on the court soon. Thank you. All right. Thanks everybody for tuning in. A lot of fans are shouting at you too, Johnny. So definitely make sure to give them some love in the comments. Oh, well, thank you guys for uh, staying with me, supporting me for all my years at New Mexico State. Um, it's been a blessing. Awesome. All right, everybody stay safe. Thank you so much, Johnny. Bye. Thank you. Rachel, since you did that interview last week, obviously New Mexico State's men's basketball program has gone on pause. So unfortunately for them, they did have a positive COVID test within the program. So Johnny McCants will have to wait a little bit before he gets to play again. Yeah. And hopefully they are able to take on Arizona here in just a few short days. But one of the most interesting things about that interview is the way Johnny McCants did talk about it and how he was looking for that revenge. So look forward to hopefully seeing that happen. Um, obviously, safety's top priority, and we are wishing everybody in the Aggies uh, program a safe and healthy next couple of days, too. But yeah, great interview with Johnny. I joked with him, and I think we all joke that 
I feel like we've seen him for so many years because he's always just been a stud, right? <laughs> I feel like he's been with the program for like five years now, and which he, he has, but it's because he's played for so many years. So it's great to see. I love sitting down and chatting with him and just being able to talk about the Aggie program. And yeah, just, I hope everybody is staying safe and healthy out there. And hopefully they're able to play basketball here in just a few, a few short days. Yeah, Johnny is one of the few guys who was there before Chris Jan. So he, he, maybe that makes him seem a little bit older that he's been there through a couple of administrations for the uh, the Aggies. We want to thank uh, Johnny for, for having that interview with you and want to have everybody uh, listen to the show later this week uh, when we interview Bryce Drew, the head coach at Grand Canyon. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at waxsports.com.